This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. You're listening to Bay Area Ventures on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 111. Here again, Doug Collum. Welcome back. This is Bay Area Ventures on Sirius XM's Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Doug Collum. Normally, I'm, I'm here with my co-host, Irene Yen, but she's not available today. So I am winging it uh, solo. Uh, for those people who have not listened to our program before, we talk about entrepreneurship with particular focus on CEOs and VCs here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, you know, I would say increasingly we're trying to uh, we're trying to shift away from traditional high tech companies and focus uh, increasingly on companies that are a little bit outside of those business models. And I think today, this the second hour of our program uh, will be a, a case in point where we're doing a reasonable job and kind of uh, getting outside the normal or traditional boundaries for the program. We're joined now by Mike Slaw, who's the CEO and co-founder of Shift.org. Um, it's a wonderful company. Shift is trying to help companies connect with veterans and understand their military background. Um, Mike, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Doug. It's great to be here today. So we'll start with just a short caption summary. What is it that Shift.org does? I'm just going to short caption it as Shift, but we understand it's a... We are Shift, yes. Yeah, okay. the, uh, we're a talent development company okay. for military veterans. So when people are leaving the military, we help them prepare for the road ahead, we expose them to experiential learning opportunities, mm-hmm. typically in the form of an immersive employment opportunity at a company. And at the end of three months, if there's a great mutual fit, they get hired full time, leave the military and start the new life at a new company. Good. That's a, that's a great summary of what you guys do. So um, your background, Mike, I mean, it's you didn't just fall into this. So maybe you can kind of weave the story and tell us how you got how you ended up with something that culminates in a company like Shift? Sure. I served in the Navy for seven years. I was a bomb disposal officer, so a fairly technical background uh, and a fairly technical job in the military. Um, worked as basically an advisor to small teams and large teams in the military uh, to keep themselves safe around explosive devices. Traveled around the world and helped other foreign militaries uh, gain proficiency in bomb disposal technologies and methods and procedures. So so not to sweep by, but that sounds like a pretty intense job. It was an intense job for sure and worked with um, some people who I consider to be uh, some of the world's best problem solvers, some of the people um, who, are, who are truly dedicated to their mission and to, to their craft. Um, and it was an incredible exposure to a, to a really rare uh, and an incredible group of people. So, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time, but I'd like to explore this a little bit. What, what's your educational background that landed you in a position, you know, overseeing bomb disposal exercises? Sure. I went to the Naval Academy okay. for my undergraduate education. And every year there's uh, a, a small number of people who join the bomb disposal community as explosive ordnance disposal officers. And they go through the... And you volunteered for that? Or again, not understanding how this process would work, but you're thinking, geez, this, this could be an exciting position? Yes, definitely. The, you know, when you go to a service academy, one of the biggest choices you make is which part of the military am I going to serve in? What's going to be my job in the military? And so if you go to West Point, you're choosing between a bunch of different Army professions. Am I going to be an infantry officer or go into human resources in the Army? In the Navy, we had the choice to go into driving ships, uh, being on submarines, flying naval aircraft, um, or doing something like joining the Navy SEALs or the bomb disposal community. Wow. So seven years in the military advising people. I mean, so you must have run across a lot of different people in the course of your seven years. I deployed to Afghanistan, the Middle East, uh, Central and South America, um, the the former in uh combat deployments, and then in the latter, uh, much more in developing international capabilities and Ex- strengthening. Expertise, that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Strengthening partnerships between nations that um, really would love to build their, their, their capabilities in disposing of harmful explosive devices. Wow. It's hard, you know, it's hard to respond to this because it's, uh, it's so different from 
the background of most of our guests. I take it you're not from the Bay Area then. I'm not. I'm from Michigan originally. Okay. But you've lived in the Bay Area now for a while? Two years now. Only two years? Just two years. I, I left the Navy two years ago and uh, moved here uh, pretty much right after leaving the, the service. So why here? I mean, th- th- just to put this in context, I mean, <clears throat> it's called Bay Area Ventures. Um, some people who live here think this is the real world. It isn't the real world. I think is everything outside of Silicon Valley. <laughs> so the question is, why did you come to the Bay Area? When I was leaving the military, I was running field trips for military veterans to come visit technology companies, mostly out of my own selfish desire to meet more people at technology companies and learn what my life would look like if I pursued this as an So it's kind of a point of self-education for you by doing these field trips. Yes, certainly. You get other people to join on board, but it was equally as instructive to you. Well, as anybody, as the naive person who was leaving the military, um, you know, calling Google on the phone and asking, hey, can I come have a tour of campus? And then saying, no, we don't really do that here. My name's Mike. How do you like <laughs> <Right>. me so far? <laughs> right, exactly. Didn't work out so well for me. And so I had to figure out another way in. Yeah. I needed to figure out a way to get access, and I needed to figure out a way to learn. If you've been, um, if you've been living in a tent or working on a submarine for five years, you don't even know what your life would look like walking into campus. And really isolated from... The business world. It's just so different. Yeah. And how do you draw inference into an industry that looks completely different than the one that you're coming from? And so that that idea fascinated me. Before my time in the Navy, I was part of a school project where we ended up um, starting a company, and the company ended up getting venture financing. And right as I was... As you were in the Navy, you were kind of, you were moonlighting and doing this stuff? Well, I, so I, I, I did go to the Harvard Kennedy School for two years right after the Naval Academy okay. on a public policy fellowship. And which, which doesn't, it doesn't map real well with the business school, I, I take it. Right. The, <laughs> it's a little bit of a different discipline. Right. Yeah. right. And so I, I spent two years there prior to commencing my Naval service. And that's where um, I really did get lit on fire about entrepreneurship and this idea that you can start a company, uh, and it just has to start as a project of two people in a room uh, around a computer. This was in 2008, 2009, when the financial crisis was in full swing. Yeah, yeah. Many people at the Kennedy School, um, at Harvard Business School, were, were deciding you know, maybe going into financial services isn't the best path for me. Maybe there's other things that we can do. And, uh, and quite a few incredible companies um, sort of spawned out of that time period at, at some of the the business schools and ed- educational mm-hmm. institutions around the country. So as you're, as you're lining up field trips, that gets not only yourself but a bunch of your colleagues in the door to kind of see what, what life is like in the technology sector. Did you, did you undertake field trips outside of the Bay Area, like in different parts of the country? We did, yes. We, we wanted to get exposure to as many technology companies as possible. Over the course of a year, we took six trips to Washington, D.C., to New York City, to the Bay Area. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Visited 60 technology companies. And for me, I was thinking that maybe I would continue to do these field trips, but I had to be in a part of the country where there was just this strong entrepreneurial activity ethos that it was just more of a way of, a lay of, way of life than um, other parts of the country. So, so are I, you thinking that was that was going to be a useful attribute just for you? Or for your military colleagues who were accompanying you on those buses. I mean, did you think that was entrepreneurship was was kind of the, the uh, catalyst that was going to make things happen for everybody? I think I just wanted to be part of a network and be part of a community. Mm-hmm. Coming from a very close knit community in the military taught me the power of that, and I wanted to be in part of the country where um, the things that were interesting to me were interesting to other people around me and, and really wanted to be at the center of something important, something mm-hmm. bigger than myself. And so coming to the Bay Area felt like uh, a really necessary move if I wanted to start companies, meet people who were like-minded, and and have access to people in this space. I used to fly up here for for meetings at companies, um, and, and now the, it's it's... It's just a regular day of the week. And so it's been quite uh, an important move in terms of building a network and being part of something. When you 
it, it, it's, it's really hard to, to put into words how little of a network you come from when you're making a major career shift. You almost have to start over again and start rebuilding. And so coming to the Bay Area offered me an opportunity to do that. You know, I, this is unique because I see, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on this. I want to talk more about shift.org and, and your, your founding of that company. But I don't think it, I've ever had anyone on the program before who has done a deliberate survey of technology companies more or less across the United States. You know, one of the tasks that I have is trying to differentiate, trying to explain what Silicon Valley is like in contrast and comparison with other enclaves of technology around the U.S., you, you're you voting with your feet. We had to. <laughs> you, you did this survey, and you're here in the Bay Area. So in just a minute or so, can you? What, what is it about the Bay Area that you would see as unique to other geographies around the U.S. For, in the technology sector? For sure. For, for one, it's just the density of people who are who who come from all over the world to work on things that are important to them. And one of the things that I tell military service members who are on the fence about considering the Bay Area, if whatever it is that you truly love, whether that's uh, the future of education or the future of transportation or robots that deliver pizza to your door, there's probably somebody who's really well-funded working on that idea, building, trying to build a great team around that mission. And so people's dedication to a mission, people's dedication to um, start on, if, if they're starting a company, starting on the side of the spectrum that really on, on many occasions is not really that comfortable at all, um, but solving a problem is so important to them that they sacrifice comfort for that. You can feel that when you come out here. Um, you you can certainly feel the hustle and the energy when you go to places like New York City. But when you come to the Bay Area, um, just the sheer amount of people who are working in venture capital, who are working, uh, starting companies, when you first get here, and, and I always have to remind myself to remember how, how it felt when you first come here with no network. You walk into the coffee shops on the streets yeah. of San Francisco. Yeah. The people are really it's crazy. They're grinding. Yeah. And you, you, you can't even get a seat. I mean, there's some coffee shops where you have to, like, pay by the hour to sit there. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many people you in know, coffee it's shops. A, it's a comment I make to the class, which is if you're not from the Bay Area, it's like it's you're wondering what's going on. It's infectious because you walk into coffee shops and you truly can't find a, a chair to sit in because everyone's got their laptop open and they're huddled over either alone or with other people, you know, dreaming up or, you know, working up a business plan. It's, it's pretty nutty. It, 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 it's completely <laughs> nutty, but it, it's a place where you can find people who are right there where you're at in life. Yep. And oftentimes when you're making a high contrast, dramatic career change, it's so important to have a person who's your person, who's your peer, who's going through the same thing as you are at the same moment in time because you can actually fast forward each other and you can start to make progress faster than you would have been able to do mm -hmm. by yourself. And it's, of course, important to have mentors and people who are one step ahead of you and that person you want to be 10 years down the road. But oftentimes, I believe it's it's most important to find someone who's your peer and who's all in with you and they want to go and help you win. So that's a nice segue into shift.org. Um, I understand at a kind of a hundred thousand feet, there is a, there is a, there is a problem, which is trying to find gainful employment for vets emerging from service. So what is the current state of play in the industry? How is it? I mean, you obviously see an opportunity here, but maybe you can describe that in your own words. I for sure do. There's no such thing as two weeks' notice when you want to leave the military. You you oftentimes have to let the service know nine months to 12 months out in advance that you plan to separate. And so you have this very long time period to start to prepare and figure out what's next. But surprisingly, eight and ten vets, when they leave the military, don't have a full-time job offer in hand. And so with so much time to prepare... It's a huge percentage. And 80% of people don't have jobs. There has to be something that's sort of missing in the middle there. And what compounds that is 
almost 50% of vets leave their first job in less than 12 months. Because it didn't, it wasn't a good fit. Wasn't a good fit. Yeah. And so there's an opportunity around getting that first match right, getting the fit perfect. And then there's also an opportunity to provide access to employment opportunities prior to leaving military service. And I sometimes liken military service to like a, almost like a speeding train. And when you're doing it, you're so focused on the task at hand. You're so focused on your people, preparing them. Uh, You're focused on promotion. You're focused on, you know, you're basically changing jobs every 18 to 24 months. In the military. In the military. It's hard to even consider anything else. What what your life would look like. Yeah. And when you jump off that train, more often than not, it's it's you you don't necessarily land in the thing that that you love, and the only other the only other real opportunity here is, especially with veterans, but I'm sure this is very true of other career changers as well. When you go from one industry that looks very different from another one, more often than not, your preferences or the things that you think you value are going to start rapidly changing. I value being I want to be at a big company. Or, or I want to be at a small company. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think that salary is the thing that's most important to me. Well, maybe that's that's not it. So when you jump into something that's totally different, how how can you even predict how your preferences are going to change? Um, so tell me more about, um, you know, there's a progression in your thinking that went from, hey, there's a problem in the industry. Eighty percent of vets emerging from the service are are not finding what they want or within a year are already moving on because there wasn't a good uh, job skill set. Um, so how did you make, I mean, out of this grew a, a vision, which was it, which is, a, in effect, a platform for connecting vets with uh, the right job. So can you talk about that? How did you get there? Initially, it was this idea that coming from a very small community in the military made up of people who are truly excellent problem solvers, that there's an opportunity to, to, for people who are leaving the military to become really effective operators at early stage startups and technology companies. And one of the founders of Uber, Garrett Camp, who runs a venture studio here in San Francisco called Expa, he really believed in that vision that people from the military could potentially make really great and effective ops hustlers and operations associates at early stage technology startups. He thought it was a, uh, a, a group of people or a talent pipeline that was virtually untapped that nobody was really looking at. And so initially I was brought into the expo portfolio to source more military veterans into their portfolio companies Oh, and to figure out a reliable way to identify people who are well suited for early stage startup opportunities. And so it's not necessarily the people who are ranked one out of 100 coming out of the military that are going to be great at startups. We had to figure out what's a different way to find signal uh, yeah. amongst all the noise in yeah. military backgrounds. So for people just joining us, this is Bay Area Ventures. I'm Doug Collum, and our guest this hour is Mike Slaw, who's the CEO and founder of Shift.org, a platform that connects veterans with the right job. Um, I mean, so a bunch of questions come along, but I mean, your your original thought was, you know, you you arrive in the Bay Area, you're kind of planting seeds in the service of developing relationships wherever they might spring up, and you run across this venture firm called Expa E X P A. That's correct. Yeah. And they said, and their reaction was, God, let's get this Mike on board, this guy Mike on board, so that he can help us identify, you know, leaders in the future startup companies that we're adding to our portfolio. Is that the theme? That's the theme. So uh, immediately there's a question. I'm, I'm digressing, but it's a good question. The question is, if you're, I'm, I'm choosing my words carefully, if you're coming out of the military and you've got a composite of skills developed over years in very different areas, but always with endowed with responsibility the need to lead people, the need to manage and train people, and so forth. The question is, are those vets best suited for later stage companies? Or are these the guys that you look to to kind of walk across coals and start companies? 
I mean, do you? I, I'm curious to know what your perception is. Sure, my perception after working with thousands of veterans to join technology companies over the last two years is that the military looks like America. And so there's people at all ends of the spectrum. It's okay. people from every city and state, yep. from every walk of life, from every end of the socioeconomic spectrum. One of the, it, It's really hard to figure out or, or really hard to nail down what are the unifying traits and attributes that military service imbues on somebody. But we do know that everybody has a sense of service. Everybody has demonstrated an ability to work and problem solve with people who come from very different backgrounds than their own. It's, it just sort of boils down to what their preferences are. So you don't try to, to distinguish. I mean, you're saying that you've got a talent pool coming out of the military services, and they can be deployed effectively, whether it's later in this food chain at mezzanine-level companies or way back in the early part of the food chain at raw startup companies. Is that kind of the philosophy that you adopt with shift.org? Well, to clarify, it's, it's there's people who are well-suited to different parts yeah, along okay. that. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not necessarily that everybody from the military is going to be really great at startups. That, yeah. That's definitely wrong. The, or, but it's not also everybody at the military is going to be really happy at a big hierarchical organization yeah. that looks yeah. just like the military because yeah. they just left. And so, so many times they're searching for a new, mis- a new mission. Many times this idea around translating military experiences into something that's equivalent on the civilian side is very it, – it, it feels like you're being boxed in a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Oftentimes <clears throat> you leave the military because you're really proud of what you've accomplished. You will never let that go, but you want to try something new, and you want your experiences and your skills to be recognized in a new industry. Yeah. Um, shift.org, where is it in terms of the, the growth path that you guys are on? How, how far along is the company? When was it funded? When was it founded? Um, it sounds like you've raised some money already. I mean, give, give us a snapshot. What, tell us about the company in sure. terms of current growth. We, we were founded at the end of 2016. Mm-hmm. We devised this program uh, that places soon-to-be veterans, active-duty service members at companies during their last few months of service. The program just got started just over six months ago. and So the platform is up and running? The platform is up and running. Okay. And we've proven that, that companies can hire people successfully from the military with our program at a very small scale, and that allowed us to raise a seed financing. Uh, led by Andreessen Horowitz with participation from Expa, Box Group, and Structure Capital. Boy, it sounds like a great uh, blue ribbon group of investors who have taken interest in the company. It's been, um, it, it, it for sure has been the uh, a true pleasure working with, with our investors. It's people um, who are very, very close and dedicated to the problem that we're solving. And I think that after having literally hundreds of conversations with investors that ended in a no over the last 10 months. Um, I do feel like really the most important, the most important thing when finding an investor is someone who is very, very connected to you as the founder uh, and the mission and the problem that you're solving. Um, It's, it's, I always used to sort of cringe when I had been on the road fundraising for eight plus months and people said well you, you know don't take the first money that people throw at you like you got to find the investor that did like just trying to survive here right. i'm trying to you know trying trying to not run out of money and yeah. have to let go of the you know the the few people that we convinced to to join us on this mission and so but in hindsight looking at the the group of investors who we found the only reason that they invested was was because of the mission because of the idea, because they wanted to not live in a world where that problem still existed. Mm-hmm. So how many, I mean, coming back to the, snapsh- the snapshot view, how many employees do you have? We have 22 people on the team right now, and we've grown from six people eight months ago. Wow. And um, is it public information how much money you've raised, pu- I mean, from venture funds? Yes. Yeah, so the last round was a $4 million raise. 
and before that, you had some amount of money coming in from Expo, which was total amount was four and a half million so. total so so far. Wow, that's great. And so you're 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 beyond early days. I mean, you've got you've got a completed management team. I I don't think we're complete. No, we are. We're still looking for, you know, the right thirty people around the table um, that get us to the next milestone that get us to series a and so we are actively hiring for a few positions in the bay area mm-hmm. um, are you are you exclusively situated in the bay area no we we have um <coughs> six people who are remote folks we have people who are account executives who work in local markets that we're developing outside of the bay area so in geographies the, in the united states but just not in the bay area as a, as a way of kind of getting the the network created yes definitely i think that um you know, one, I do think that over time we will have to establish a an accountable and performant remote work culture if we want to yep. someday be an off-ramp for 250,000 military veterans who leave service each year. They're not all cool. going to end up in the Bay Area. Yeah. And so we do think that we'll have to establish operations um, and support systems in many cities all across the country. But right now you have one office, which is here in San Francisco. You have one office in San Francisco – but we do have software engineers and salespeople who work remotely. Okay. So as the CEO of the company, I mean, you're, you effectively created this from scratch. I mean, this is, there's no co-founder here. This is you? That's correct. Yeah. And then you, early on, it kind of surrounded yourself with people who could support the mission, make it grow, complement your skills, and so forth? Yes, I needed quite a bit of complementary forces. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious. So you jumped into this without any... Startup company, any previous experience running startup companies? Is that right? That's right. We, I before the Navy, I did start a company technically as a school project, but yeah. we right as the company was really raising money and taking off, I I left to complete my Naval Academy service commitment. And but being sort of in, you know in the back row cheering this this past company on over the past eight years, they're doing really well today, and it's just been incredibly inspirational for me to to still see that company's success that and is I, neat i view yeah. this you know the ceo uh you know was my co-founder eight years ago and i still consider him a mentor and a big brother to me so i'm dialing back to 2016 which is the two-year time frame when you parachuted into the bay area right <laughs> and literally kind of like had had no prior relationships you might have had one or two contacts i assume but essentially you're starting with a clean canvas and your mission was to go out and develop relationships. You knew what you wanted to do. You figured there was an opportunity here. There was, as I say, a big sucking sound in the market. But you showed up and you thought, "I'm going to, I'm going to do this startup thing." I, I'm, I'm <laughs> right. Yeah. The the there wasn't a great plan. Looking back on it, um, in in hindsight, I knew I wanted to be part of this network. I knew I wanted to be part of this community. You know, there there are for sure people. I, I talk to them almost every week who are wanting to get out to the Bay Area at all costs because they're feeling like the spirit is moving them here yep. for some reason. But there's many other people that probably have a more rational and like measured approach to it than than, yeah. than what I had, and I think that's 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 very much okay as well. And it's something that um, they 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 need a bit more of a concrete plan before moving out here with their families and settling in. So let me ask one question before we go to break, which is um, showed up here in the Bay Area, with the exception of the one company that you worked on while you were in school. What was the name of that company, by the way? Today it's known as ID.me. 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 It's the way that vets prove their identity online and can log into things oh. like the VA, the IRS, even. Go get a free blooming onion at Outback Steakhouse on Veterans Day instead of having to show their social security card. And so that company started as a Craigslist for the military, uh, pivoted several times, uh, and now it's this uh, incredible authentication layer that allows vets and many other affinity groups to prove who they are on the Internet. So my question is, before we go to break, this is it, which is, you know, you develop certain skills and and capabilities while you're in your seven years of service at the military, and you did some graduate school before that. Here you are doing a startup company in the San Francisco Bay Area, 
you've gone from a standing start to 20 into 22 employees and 4.5 million bucks. Are you finding that you've got, I mean, again, kind of a personal question. Do you have the skill set necessary to run a startup company so far? I mean, do you, it's a dumb question. Do you feel like you're doing a good job? No, you never do. <laughs> I, I, I do honestly feel like I am working on the thing right now that I was put on earth to do. And it's a mission. So I that, mean, there's a true passion associated with, with this. There's an aspect of it where you, you, you feel like you are carrying the really, really heavy rucksack uphill. And the, but there's periods of time when you feel like you're running downhill and you can, you can almost taste like what the future is going to be like ahead of you. Um, but even though it is really hard and there are constant setbacks and challenges and things that you never knew you'd have to deal with. And I don't think there's a way to prepare for any of it. Um, if you're doing the thing that you truly believe you're put on this earth to do, if you're doing the thing that solves a problem um, in which you, you wouldn't, you'd be physically uncomfortable living in a world with this problem still existing. Um, sometimes it feels like there's no choice and it, you don't even know what you'd be doing if you weren't doing this. We're going to take a very short break. I'm Doug Collum. Our guest this hour is Mike Slaw with Shift.org. It's a platform that connects vets with jobs. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. This is Bay Area Ventures on Sirius XM's Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Doug Collum. Our guest this hour is Mike Slaw, the CEO and founder of Shift.org, which is a platform that connects vets with uh, the right job, which is a huge market by uh, all accounts. And uh, as we were, as we left off at the bottom of the hour, we were just talking with Mike about. Um, about kind of the fundraising process and so forth. I thought we could jump into that a, a little bit more, which is you've raised four and a half million bucks to date. Um, half a million or more of it comes from a smaller firm, EXPA, E-X-P-A, which is, uh, saw an opportunity itself to basically find leadership uh, talent and bringing them into the startup world. And then Mike also saw an opportunity, which is this is exactly the platform that the world needs. This is the passion of the calling, Mike, that you were talking about as we as we left for the break. Since you've gone out and raised four million from Andreessen Horowitz, Andreessen Horowitz, for people who are not familiar, is is one of the pre, premier uh, VC firms located on Sand Hill Road. It was formed in two thousand nine and is currently one of the, if not the preeminent venture capital firm in the United States and perhaps, you know, globally. So to your credit, Mike, uh, and we'd like to hear exactly how you did this, how you raised $4 million from these guys. And, and what was the year of the fundraising, 2017, last year? We we just closed two months ago. Oh, so this it's is fresh. Fairly fairly fresh. Cool. So you'll, you'll probably want to hear about We the... want to hear some unvarnished answers as to how you went about this. Sure. That's a pretty, that's a pretty neat achievement. And, and the... Andreessen was the lead in the round, and then several other investors participated as well. But um, leading leading up to it, um, fundraising was incredibly hard. It was this idea that, you know, by by many accounts, you know, seemed quite outlandish. This idea that we we facilitate this program that brings active duty military service members into companies for their last three months, and companies especially in the Bay Area, who don't necessarily need to pay fees for people to come do operations jobs and customer success jobs. Uh, companies that are growing really, really quickly don't typically need to look at people who don't have exact experience and industry expertise and domain experience. And companies in the Bay Area don't necessarily have to hire people who don't have exactly the right skills for the job. Um, this idea that we would bring in active duty people from the military, charge companies to do that, and companies, the service members, and us, and our investors would all be really happy was a crazy idea. And it, and it, and it, and it remained crazy through hundreds of fundraising conversations, through 10 months of fundraising. This is the amount of time it took you to raise first money? Th so this was the, the time 
uh, when we started fundraising in earnest to to scale our military fellowship program. I see. Okay. Um, over over the course of ten months, we we were able to raise a small amount of bridge financing to get us to the mm-hmm. to to get us to the uh, priced seed round, but it wasn't really real until people started getting hired, full time offers started to come through, people were getting hired directly out of the military into Series B, Series C software companies in roles like operations manager, software engineer, uh, getting hired onto the business development team. Um, This was almost like the front door to Silicon Valley and working in technology was finally open to people who are leaving the military. Um, And and And, and that was was the – that early traction – was the catalyst that brought Andreessen in the door, or was, or was it more the vision and the, and the promise of good things to come that brought them in to write a check for four million? I, th- I think there's a few, a few catalysts for sure. One was we were doing really great work for some of their portfolio companies, and that wasn't intentional on our part at all to target Andreessen portfolio companies. But if if something is really important to a company and it is solving a really big problem that they're having, um, more likely than not, they're going to tell their investor about what's going well. and what's We found <laughs> this great VP of ops to come in. This, this guy, Mike Sloss, steered us to him. You should go talk to that guy. He probably has a whole talent pool waiting to be. Is that kind of That's really helpful, yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if, if it gets to that point. Um, but, but also when investors are doing their due diligence and they start to go, out and you, you say this company's a customer and that company's a customer. Well, if they're interested in you as a person and you think that and they think that you're one of the people on this earth who can potentially actually solve this problem, they're going to go start talking to the people that mm-hmm. they know and, and not necessarily reference checking you, but, but how good is that product? How good is that service? Um, I think that you know these you know these relationships with top tier VCs. You know, they, they only make so many bets in very, very early stage companies per year. For sure, I think we're seeing a trend where some of the bigger VC firms are jumping into the seed rounds and earlier rounds of companies. Yeah, but Mike, let me just, I mean, there's a thought that's nagging at me, which is, I mean, it's what you're describing to me in the early days sounds like executive search. I mean, why didn't a VC firm simply pay you, uh, a, you know, a percentage of salary as most exec search consultants earn when they place successfully place an executive you've gone beyond that it sounds like you've got you truly have created both sides of the platform you have a talent pool you've got uh, presumably i don't want to i want you to tell this but you've got vets on one side and you've got willing employers on the other so each of those is a huge undertaking i mean the marketing and business development and outreach that goes into each platform is formidable Absolutely. You, how did you do that? And it's hard to how did you do that? <laughs> right. <laughs> how and and how long did it take? Yeah. The, I mean, it was such a two very different audiences. Active duty service members and the first companies I focused on were fast growing technology companies. The place where, by many accounts, vets struggled to get hired the most. Um, there's very known pathways into industries like financial services and defense yeah. contracting. But figuring out what's what's the cross-section, what's the Venn diagram that allows me to market to both sides while we're incredibly resource-constrained, and realized that it was success stories. So this the service member who gets the job... So it's a viral thing? If you create the, the case studies where you've got enormous traction, that starts... What I'm hearing is it starts to market itself. It, the this, this idea of you know marketing to technology companies was very you know I there was so different than trying to market to active duty service members that the only cross section that I could see between the two is a successful hiring outcome. I think if we if I had to pin down you know how were we successful in in getting just a little bit of traction in early days that led to more and more traction was by Focusing on a really blue chip customer that was growing very, very quickly and just really filling a need and filling a gap that that they had. Um, And by seeing program success at at 
at just a few just just a few large companies that were growing quickly, it gave everybody the sense that you know you know this could be a service that every company that's growing quickly could potentially use to build a new core competency inside of their company, which is how do you attract, onboard, hire, and retain military veterans. And so there's many companies that have figured this out. Are you is shift.org unique? We're very unique. Yes, the I, I, and of course is the right answer. <laughs> of course, yeah. The I I I know. mean, how are you unique? I mean, there are a lot of companies out there sure. that do executive search, but what makes? As I asked the question, what's the differentiator for Shift? So I mean, we 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 talk to the other people in our space, in our market, people who place military veterans for a fee at, at companies, right? Um, and Many of them think what we're doing is incredibly risky by putting somebody inside of a company for three months at a time before really asking for a success fee. And, oh, I see. And so what we think is that after three months, full-time, on-site, the person who's It's kind doing, of like a probationary period. Well, we call it temp to perm in recruiting. So okay. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> you want to call Yeah, yeah. This is the, the, and, and it's a fellowship. It's, it's somebody yeah. who's really talented coming from another industry and they don't necessarily need four years of work experience to to get up to speed they need to learn a new vernacular need to learn get a little bit of industry specific knowledge Mm -hmm. and a little bit of domain expertise and it and it just so happens that people who are really accomplished in one industry can get start to get some of those things over a a really quick period of time three months six months it's an immersion so what is it that flipped the switch with Andreessen Horowitz or, or that with an institutional investor that persuaded them to write a $4 million check, $4 million check? Was it the fact that you had you had, you had demonstrated the viability of the proposition? Was, I mean, I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth. I want you to tell me. Yeah, I think that we are still at such an early stage, and there's – there's still so much about what we're doing that that needs to be mm-hmm. proven out. Um, one is that on a very small scale, what we were doing was working really, really well. I think they looked at myself and the team that had started to assemble around the table and said, you know what, if if there's a team that's going to potentially solve this problem for everybody who's leaving the military – this could legitimately this be, could the, be it. This could be it. And we're getting yeah. in at a very, very early stage where um, where where a little bit of help from our platform team, from market development, from the PR and comms platform. I think they looked at the team we were building as one that could be really well complemented by the services that their platform offered. And so on this on the spectrum of VC firms, you know, some are like Andreessen Horowitz and have this incredible suite of services that they offer to their portfolio right. companies. Yeah. And it's really helpful for people who are founders from non-traditional backgrounds like myself yeah. that have very, <laughs> really, really... take advantage of that. For it's sure a take wonderful advantage of resource, it. yeah. And then there's other firms who are on the other side of the spectrum who, who don't believe in that and offer different things. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was a, is a really terrific fit. Mm-hmm. And I think that they, they saw that they could complement you know, some of the things that where we could really use help. If you are just joining us, our guest this hour is Mike Slaw, who's the CEO and founder of Shift.org, which is a platform for connecting vets with uh, great jobs with uh, principally technology companies or companies across the spectrum. Yes, we've started with technology companies, but we are starting to expand into more media companies as well and starting to expand into industries that there really isn't a known pathway for vets to participate in. Mm -hmm. And so... We will start to expand into other industries over the course of the next year, but really where we focused a lot of our early efforts is in there, there's a lot of really skilled military service members that we as a country have invested a, a, a ton of Enormously. money in, into their development, mm-hmm. their technical proficiency, in being the people who learn new technical systems pretty much on like a monthly basis. There, there's there's certainly an opportunity for these people to come out and participate in the new economy that's starting to form in the Bay Area. I want to shift gears. I want to come back to uh, kind of more your focus as the CEO and, and leader of a growing company. So I'd start with asking, so far so good? I mean, do you 
Do you ever wake at three o'clock in the morning and think, God, this is a huge mistake and uh, this could be a abject failure and what what do I think I'm doing or you're thinking otherwise? Well, maybe not this is a huge mistake, but almost always awake at three o'clock in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's, I guess, just the sheer enormity of, you know, both minutiae and and business direction changing decisions that need to be made on a weekly, if not daily basis. Um, and it was almost every day I think I should really write some of this stuff down. And then you sort of, the day's events overcome you and then nothing gets written down. Um, so, so yes. Do you like what you're doing? I, I mean, not from a, not from a, um, not from a mission. I mean, I understand you feel passionately about this. There's a calling. It's a mission. It's a vision. It's a, it's something you're trying to realize because it has enormous social and economic and cultural benefit in lots of different ways. I get that. But do you th- think, you know, day to day, your responsibility in the short run is you got to manage this, you know, a company of 22 employees with investors and growth plans and so forth. Do you think you're doing okay? I, uh, I, I am doing okay. It's, it's incredibly challenging and it is a thing where, you know, you, you, sometimes you look at the, what has to be accomplished in the week ahead. Um, and you just don't know how you're going to get from point A to B. Um, and so we're just in a different stage as a company right now. We've, you know, when you're in the, the, the haven't raised any money to trying to prove that, you know, this is an investable idea. Um, you feel so survival focused and just getting, yeah. just getting to the next milestone, just getting to the next wicket. Um, now it feels like it took us 18 months, but we're actually now just now getting into the first inning. And so that's like an incredibly exciting thing when you start to see the thing coming together. Um, but at the same time, you're just so paranoid that, that everything that you've poured into this and everything that you've worked for um, could potentially go away if you if you fail to execute or or the market changes. I mean, the question, of, I guess, the thing is you jumped into this without really having any serious startup company experience. And so a lot of this is it's uncharted territory. You're heading off into areas where you're making intelligent judgments and best guesses. And in some cases, it's just like a hunch. Let's try this. Uh, A question I would throw at you is, so I know you have advisors. I know you've got employees and you've got a host of people surrounding you. Do you, who do you turn? So let's say you come up with a, a really naughty situation, a challenging strategic situation, whether you should zig or whether you should zag. Do you have somebody that you can, go to after you've had a round of discussions and say, I really need to level set here. Here's what I'm thinking. I need a sounding board or a sanity check on what I think I want to do. Did you have somebody like that? I, I do for sure. And, and it, it's actually like a few somebody's, um, that's good. And, and, yeah. and, and that's really what you need. Um, and, and for me, um, for, for me, when it's, um, a, a sanity check, when it's a, um, I'm just not sure how I'm feeling about this. Um, I, I turn to my wife almost in every case on those types of decisions, and she's just been an incredible support to me over the last. Even couple though of years. she really doesn't, she's not involved in the day-to-day sword crossing in the business. I mean, she's removed from that, but she's got. She 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 is she is with us in in every day. She's been part of many many decisions along the way, and I think that people um, who who are the spouses of startup founders, you know, they, they live it just as much as the founder themselves. And it's, it's that person. Um, so much though that, that, that Kate actually joined us full time. Oh, she did. She's <laughs> quite, 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 quite recently. Oh. And, and after managing huge, uh, marketing budgets at her previous company, now she helps us with our measly, uh, <laughs> marketing budget. Uh, the person from a strategic perspective, uh, in terms of company strategy, is the person that was helping me run these veteran field trips two years ago. Oh, We've stayed incredibly close, and he recently joined us as our head of product, and his name's Steve Wiener. 
So he is he's the guy that I turned to when I was talking about, you know, you need to have that person who's fast-forwarding you, who's your peer. We moved to the Bay Area within uh, uh, within months of each other when he graduated from business school and I left the Navy. Um, and, and so having him sort of close for these past few years has been um, the best support system um, from a from a strategic perspective that I could have asked for. And then there there are investors that we have who are just so deeply connected to the mission um, that 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 I speak with them, you know, several times per week. Um, one in particular, Jillian Manis, who um, who I met on a on a on a podcast called The Pitch. Um, she she has just been um, incredibly helpful in fast forwarding my thinking about. Um, What's the right time to potentially introduce new ideas, to, to look at new markets, sales strategy, marketing strategy? And so between Jillian, Steve, and my wife, it, it, and, and like the, the other 21 incredible people who are helping me build this company, you, you just don't need much more than that right now. You know, it's ironic. About, I would say within the last four to six weeks, we had another guest on the program who also said it was his spouse who he ultimately turned to as a as a sounding board. And like that other guest, he, I mean, he also had a you know a few other people. But it was interesting that a spouse was, you know, the ultimate sounding board as a sanity check on you know what what you're, you're doing. It's pretty inter- interesting. I honestly think that spouses don't get enough credit for the yeah. for, for the task at hand um, because when you are starting this company it really does take over your whole life and it, and it, and you really do immerse into it and so I I certainly see that um, and and but they're just I think that this idea that that um, that, that not paying homage to those contributions uh, is, is short-sighted but also not not fully buying into the concept that you need a peer who's there with you and fast forwarding your knowledge. Um, you know, without those two things, I um, truly believe I'd be less successful than the very small amount of success we've had thus far. So we've got 15 seconds. Where do you want the company to be in five years' time? If if everything goes swimmingly, <laughs> I, I want this to be a public category-defining company that when people think about how do I hire people from the military – you think about shift. Shift.org. Mike, we're out of time. As I as promised, we are out of time. Um, thanks a lot. It was wonderful having you in the program. Thank you, Doug. It's such a pleasure to be here. And people can find you at shift.org. That's right. That right. Yep. Pretty simple. So th- thanks, everybody, to joining us. If you've got a question about something you've heard today, uh, you can email us at businessradio at SiriusXM.com. Just as a reminder, we do air live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific. Um, once again, special special thanks to our guests. We had Philip Cortez of Novi. We had Gino Cafiero of Bear Flag Robotics. And just now we've got Mike Slaw of Shift.org. Thanks also to our producer, Brian Drew, who does a lot of work in setting these things up, our assistant producer, Charlene Goto, and our engineer, Danielle Bruno. I'm Doug Collum. You've been listening to Bay Area Ventures on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 111. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 